Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joined today, she's a real estate agent, entrepreneur, and author. It's Karina Pacific. How are you doing today, Karina? Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm doing good. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Oh, gosh. So, well, thanks for having me and thanks for doing what you do. I think it's wonderful. We all, we all learn from each other, I hope. So this is wonderful. Um, I was born and raised in Mexico and I was uh, raised by a single mom, very reticent, just mom that just worked hard, but she was never really uh, a mother figure. She was more of a sort of keeper. I was fatherless, you know, early abandoned. And I just uh, pretty much just fended for myself all of my first 12 years of my life in Mexico. And I'm very blessed and glad that I was raised there because it gave me a lot of culture, a lot of humble beginnings, and it, it sort of gives you grit and ability to really not take much for granted. Um, and uh, 12, we came to, uh, we spent a couple of years in Texas. And after that, we came to Los Angeles, where I went to high school and all kinds of different school after that. And um, mom and in realtor and all that good stuff. Yeah. Growing up in Mexico, is there something in the culture that you kind of utilize today or some kind of skill or some kind of message that was brought to you? Hmm. So from the culture itself is celebrate is very colorful. Um, so you just celebrate a lot. My mother didn't, was not a really great mother, but what she did do is celebrate my birthday every year in a very big way. And in Mexico, we celebrate a lot of different traditions and it's always very colorful and bright and you bring anybody, anybody can come in your house and you want to feed them and that sort of thing. So that's something I've always included in my life. And, um, I still celebrate my birthday. I think we're blessed to be alive. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, um, and I do that to my daughter all the time. So that's a big part of just celebrate, celebrate the big and little and big accomplishments. Um, because even if they're little, they're going to become big. So celebration. Um, I was raised in a very, very humble beginnings. Some work would call uh, poor, but that allowed me to just anything is great to not take a lot for granted anything for granted, really. So there's a lot of little things. Yeah, food. Um, and because I had to really kind of race myself, I had to be very reliable and flexible and resourceful. So, and that's served me well. I love how you mentioned celebrate the small things. And I've kind of learned that over the years to do that because those little things can always turn into something bigger and something grand that can evolve over time. And I think my mom has definitely helped me with that because to me, I didn't think about, oh, that's not worth celebrating. But then when you look back at it, you're like, wow, I started from there and look where you're at now. And I just love that feeling. And I try to incorporate that anytime I have that small goal. Yeah. Be happy, celebrate, have fun with it because it's something to remember. Cheer yourself. Like those little things like, oh, that was pretty good. Like just what it, it was a little thing and then reflect on something big that might've happened and think, uh, 
ask yourself, how did it become big? Oh, it's because of those little steps that I yep. took, you know, and that should be celebrated. So um, sometimes we think those are little stepping stones. No, they're not little. They're, they're a step to the yep. next level. And every little step should be celebrated because you took the step. Did you feel that you had to grow up really quickly as being fatherless and your mother working so much that you kind of had to like learn quickly? Yeah, I, you know, I think at the time I was just doing what I had to do. And so I, I was little, you know, uh, I didn't really sort of, we don't really reflect that much back, you know, we think about it, but I think my curiosity allowed me to, um, that was, yeah, allowed me to sort of expand on what I needed in my life to carry me on to those little extra little steps. But yeah, I don't know if it answers your question. No, you did. Okay. It, also, with your mother working so much, did you kind of have a role model, someone that inspired you outside of the household that kind of you were able to talk to, express feelings, emotions, things like that? Oh my gosh. So I just learned this through my uh, psychotherapist, this wonderful woman called uh, Bianca Rodriguez in Santa Monica. And um, she taught me a couple of things that I, I think is so powerful that I never learned. I mean, going to be 50 years old this year. I learned it maybe two years ago. She said to look back at the little person, the young in you, the young Alex or the young Karina, and then just sort of have compassion for that little person, for that young person, that little person. But um, but also, um, it, it, she also helped me acknowledge that because I was always alone and always pawned around different people's houses while my mother worked, nobody really conversed with me. Like I was never really asked, what do you want to do? What do you, you know, what do you want to go? And kind of, there was no exchange. So I had to learn that on my own. Yeah. Was it hard to make friends having that kind of mindset growing up? It was. Oh, 110%. Yeah, it still is. It's, I wasn't taught to have um, friendships or relationships. So I'm still learning. Um, and now I've learned to, obviously, it always starts with self, to nurture first, mm-hmm. make friends with yourself, be okay and good in your own company, but make friends with yourself and be good to yourself so that you can be good with others. And then make friendships and have relationships and nurture them and enhance them and, you know, be in, in conflict sometimes and come out of it. Okay. I think that's definitely true. Even when I was growing up, having divorced parents and you're bouncing back from households and you're like, Oh, well, you just don't have time to be, go out with friends, have fun with them. Cause you don't know what household you're going to be. Can't make plans. And that kind of hurt my self-confidence in a way where I can't really, I want to be friends with these people, but they don't get to know me fully. They only know who I am in school, but then over time where I'm getting older, I have a more schedule. Like I did the same exact thing, had to nurture, find myself first so that I can be open to those people. And now they get to see the real me. How old were you when your parents got divorced? I was three. So I was always living with divorced parents. So to me, it was just normal. And like, I had nothing different in my life. My mom remarried, but it still didn't feel the same because it wasn't my father. And so even today where 
still they're divorced. They're still single with, with each other. And, but I'm able to be myself a little bit and utilize those tools, kind of how your psychotherapist says, looking back at that younger self, that's what I do and see, maybe I needed this to get to where I am today. A hundred percent. Oh my God. And you're so young for you to be reflecting the way you are. Um, is pretty amazing. And then having this platform for others. Yeah. Moving to Texas, which was the first step when you were moving from Mexico to Texas, was it hard to adjust to a new city, a new, obviously it was a new state and things like that. New country. Yeah. New country. Country. Yes. I was actually not supposed to have stayed in America. I was supposed to just come for the summer, summer of 85. My mother had found a job and um, I was visiting with her and I was supposed to be sent back. And by a miracle of God, because that's really what happened. There's a longer backstory, but I ended up staying. And I always say that's really when my life began. Mm-hmm. And um, I was infused in, with this family, with their life, you know, their everyday, a really affluent great Brady Bunch like family in a really nice area in Houston, Texas. And they threw me into their life like uh like pasta sugar. It was like nothing. They were really wonderful and, and inclusive. Um but I did not know English. And they sort of put me into their kids school, which was very much non-Latina. There was no Spanish. There were a few um, African-Americans, a few, you know, uh, other cultures, Latinos, but there was, it was, I really had to just rise. I had to just keep up and learn the language. Um, but it was wonderful. And it just, I, I, they gave me a, an instrument. You, every, every kid in this family plays an instrument. They gave me a flute and it's, you know, those beautiful, beautiful silver flutes. And it was like, this is complicated. What is happening? <laughs> but when you're young, you're little and you see like this beautiful country, uh, as complicated as it is, it is still, it's, it's a place where you can still shine and rise. Are you still able to play the flute? Little. I had to <laughs> during COVID. I, I took classes back up to um to refresh my memory, and I want to go back to and um and conquer it again because it's it's really nice to rewire wire the the mind, the brain in that different way. It's so mathematical, you know. Definitely with playing an instrument, you just learn so much in how you're able to adapt, like playing a note, trying to hit that note first try all the time and just using brain memory to play an instrument. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, but it's hard. I got to tell you that when you get to certain notes, which is almost the same note as the bottom notes and it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's it's a calculation. It's it's very different than which during the training and when you're supposed to, when I'm practicing is frustrating, but the, the time that you take for that musically, what it does for our mind, I come out of it, um, elevated. Yes. Yeah. As you're getting older, sometimes we're asked that fun question. What's our dream job. Did you have an idea of what a dream job would be for you? I didn't. I was just existing for a long time. Yes. So I, 
I, I did not. I always in the back of my mind had real estate in a very, in a sort of back way, not really mm-hmm. with a big plan, but just real estate because my mother um, worked a lot and she was great and that's honorable. She was, a, she taught me work ethic by just watching her. She, in the, and through her work, she was able to buy a, um, a duplex in Mexico. And we lived in one unit and then she rented the other. And she was able to sort of with that, the income of that uh, supplement. And then she's now back home to Mexico and she's living in, in the fruit of her labor. She's the, she rented this whole time collected rent and then now she gets to retire and just relax so it taught me about a you know what the investment of of ownership is and if you take care of it of course so that yeah. was the first exposure of real estate and kind yeah. of investing product yeah. kind of getting yourself prepared for the future it was and just seeing her work for it and have um such pride and in her achievement of owning land, she was a single mom in Mexico, which is rare. Um, she is was the one one of the few ones in her big family to own her own property as a single mom with an only child, which was rare back in the day. And then um and then her be able to keep it and then go back to it and enjoy it as it should be enjoyed. Was that something you wanted to kind of follow in, in her footstep as an entrepreneur and kind of not like replicate it, but kind of have that drive, that determination to go for it, follow your dreams and passions? I think I had that for me, the, the entrepreneur spirit and by just her, by watching or just seeing her, um, she was definitely um a baller between her family, just kind of getting things done, make sure that when we came here, when I was 12, that we came here legally, you know, the right way. She had a great school education. She didn't really, she was not very educated, but she got stuff done. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where a lot of my resourcefulness comes. So you just kind of get it done. You do the best we can. You reach out, you ask for help, whatever it was, but she got it done. Yeah. So I think that's where I got that mindset that if this doesn't work, try something else. Yeah. You mentioned the next step was California. Where were you located in California? And did that still follow where now you got to learn a new culture, the new kind of area and just learn basically? Yeah. Um, so we did, we landed, we came to uh, California and well, Los Angeles and we came to Los Angeles and I literally felt like I was home. And okay. many years later, I feel like, oh, this is, this is home. And as I was writing the book, Tracy Magic, I was doing more research and I kept on asking my mother more because she's never, she's not very um, upfront, just very clear with the stories and in the background and in the, the past. I finally found out that she actually had met my father here in Los Angeles and they became a couple. She procreated here and then went back to Mexico and how she stayed there is still, is still to be discovered. 
So when I came here, I felt like I was home. Oh, of course, because I was procreated here. Mm-hmm. That's where my life kind of began, per se. You know what I mean? And then, um, so we just began in East LA with some friends. And that was a culture shock because even though I am Mexican, um, that was that the East LA culture is beautiful. There, there's beautiful people there with their very, their artists, they're the Chicana culture is, uh, is really its own sort of Mexican, but I wasn't sort of, I was not, I was very different. I was born in Mexico, Mexico. They were Mexican Americans. So that was really interesting. So you always felt like a little bit of an outsider coming to Houston, being, you know, Mexican and in a very Caucasian affluent area, then coming here to East LA, a Mexican, but not Mexican enough, more American. And then uh, we came, we kind of hopped around all over Los Angeles, West Hollywood, Hollywood Hills. I ended up in Las Feliz and then now live in the beach cities. Living in LA, we hear a lot about that LA lifestyle. Looking at your journey while you're in California, did you kind of get that feeling that you were living that LA lifestyle, fun, glamorous, kind of exciting life? Uh, some of it, most of it, you just kind of do life, you know, you work, you go and explore. There was, you know, a little bit of glamour and partying and clubs and all that good stuff, but that gets old, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that gets old and expensive. (laughs) How about you? Like where you live, like, is there a sort of an area where you guys go in and play and explore? So definitely St. Louis is like that hub town with the sports, the aquariums, museums, everything, the parks and things like that. And then even for a job, I had to move to the middle of the state and I felt like an outsider. I'm like, I'm not from here. I'm such a city guy because I live, I grew up in the city. I was born in the city. And then you get to the middle of the state and it's kind of like the farmers, the working class and things like that. And when I got the chance to come back, I took the opportunity because I'm like, I want to feel my, I want to be myself. I want to enjoy what I loved because I was basically homesick living in the middle of the state. Uh-huh. And so when you mentioned about kind of it coming full circle to now being in LA where that was where it began, but you didn't start there. That yeah. was kind of that moment for me where I knew I was going to come back. I just didn't know when in my story that was going to happen. And it's been the best decision for me because a job. So I was always trying to, during the kind of before the pandemic, I knew that I needed to find a new opportunity. And within my company, they had an opening and I took it. I was like, I'm going to go for it. What's the worst thing that can happen? And got it went with it and I was there for the next two years until I changed jobs into but I still get to be in the same town that's great and you're glad you did it yes because I I think my friends are here my family is here I'm so close with my family that it was so hard being like two hours away from them Mm -hmm. and we would always have to meet halfway and I only got to see them like once a month or once every other week but Luckily, there's cell phones. I mean, if we didn't have those, it would be kind of hard. Oh, my goodness. I remember the beeper 
And um, I don't know if you would know the beeper, like it was this little thing and um, it's this little box and then you would call it in a phone number or call this number uh, and then you have to go and go to the public phones on the streets and with germs and, <laughs> <laughs> and they call and that was like you know so at some point I realized like I I, I don't want to do this call and just be on you know on the corner or some random street and call it like if this is important I had certain codes for my friends mm-hmm. 411 you have a quick question 911 like you need me like it was just so the there were beepers what else were there yes but thank goodness for cell phones yes as a real estate agent, what's the hardest challenge you're facing with the California real estate? The hardest. Um, besides the prices. <laughs> besides the prices. You know, I just wish that um, good realtors, which I am one of them, and I have, I, I work in a, a great office which we're we're, we have a great team great people professionals people that actually care about the the buyer the seller or the investor that realtors get a bad rap and realtors also also have um they're taken for granted i think a little bit we do a lot there's a list of hundreds of things hundreds that we do behind the scenes there's liability involved there's a lot of legwork on the behind the scenes that even the consumer doesn't see because our job is to foreshadow and fix mm-hmm. and fix. So then you as the buyer, which you will be one day, um, are not worried about those little minutiae because we're on back end foreshadowing and fixing things. So I think because we do so much behind the scenes, almost like a parent you know how parents do so much behind the yes. scenes it's almost that and because we're not supposed to be grandiose and kind of you know i think we're looked at as we do minimal we actually do a a lot behind the scenes and um i think that's the hardest having to justify um our fee what we get paid what we do without sounding sounding like um like we're just uh, trying to be conceited about it or trying to be, uh, you know what I mean? So I don't know how to explain it. So that's the hardest. It's just like, no, we actually are your best advocate. We're actually there, have a fiduciary duty to you. And that applies again to a good realtor. So I would just say, just seek out somebody really good that actually has your back and is looking out for you because there's a lot behind the scenes. You talked about real estate agents getting a bad rep. There's a lot of shows out there now where they showcase these agents, but it's a lot more of a, it's a TV show. Yes. Do you think that has helped what people think of a real estate agent? Or do you think it has hurt what people think of a real estate agent? Because you talked about a lot of stuff that maybe the public doesn't know that the, what realtors do for their clients. Well, I don't know that it's, her thankfully the the word reality is still uh yeah show because it is a show and you, you have to be i hope people are realistic that it's a 30 minute something 
like doing a 30 day escrow, 45 day escrow in 30 minutes. Um, it's really hard to kind of get what happens, the juice, the substance that goes behind the scenes. There's a lot. You like you just don't get that deal done. It was done. Like it has to be written, it has to be countered, it has to be um make sure that all the initials are in the right place, that the you know, the right um contingencies are met, the right timeline. There, there's so much. So now it's uh it's nice on a short form, but there is a lot behind for 30, 45 days. And even as, after when you, we close the next when you get your keys, I get calls from my buyers. Oh, the, the window's not opening or whatever. There's, 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 it's, it's a lot in, it's like, I think I just kind of discovered this like parenting. It just, yeah. it's just always something. And um, it's, we, I don't think we actually get paid enough of what we do. <laughs> that. <laughs> yes. What's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself during your career? Real estate? Yeah. Um, I've learned to um, listen more um, and, and just and ask the better questions and, um, and just trying to figure out people's um, agendas and plans and why they want to, you know, have the American dream. Um, and just never assume, I think this is one of the biggest one, never assume people know just yeah. because I know the process, even in life, like we should not assume anything. Just ask, what is the book? I forget the, the author, the four agreements. It's one of the best books out there. If you want to, it's the four agreements is I'm going to butcher this. Never <laughs> assume, never, um, this oh my gosh we're gonna have to google it (laughs) (laughs) but i i tried to read it almost a year every year and but one of them is don't assume because it you would get in trouble and it's just a waste of mind so i just it never assume just have an open mind and um hopefully people feel free to reach out for help i want to take that first one that you mentioned never assume because a lot of people can utilize that in their life and i want to ask for when you were growing up and maybe it was hard to make friends or even maybe now people might assume what's going on and why you act a certain way, why things are going a certain way. And I know for me, if you're assuming something about me, just ask, cause I will give you the answer. Do you feel that that has maybe been a reason where people might assume certain things about you, but they don't really get to know you. So they might think wrong and then they don't really know you. Yeah. Oh, the other one is never take things personal. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's a good one. The other ones will come back to me. Um, <laughs> never. Yes. I mean, for me, I think sometimes I have a very serious face. Um, in it, it, I've been told that it's, it's intimidating. It's not welcoming. And I'm actually like a very open, huggable. I want to touch you and they just hold you and they, like, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? And just get really real. So I think um, my resting face can be a little bit, um, you know, not the most welcoming, but I mean, all I can do is just be there ready for them to approach me and then they'll have a different sense. 
I mean, we've only talked for a few minutes knowing each other and I already got that where you're Uh kind of that bubbly personal person. And it's like, you can't assume things about people just even on a facial expression, because I mean, I think sometimes I go back to my old boss where sometimes it looks like I had a stroke because my smile kind of goes sideways and it's like, well, yeah, I had it, but you can't just assume that I'm going through it right now, but just ask me. Like, it's better just to ask people things than start assuming because we see how it goes. Social media starts playing, videos, text messages, emails. It just starts getting blown up. And then that's when it just starts to crumble in people's lives. It is. The other one is like, um, you said text and phone, like texting sometimes because we're, you know, we're busy and you're just responding to the text and you don't necessarily like add the emoji, the smiley emoji. It sounds like, (laughs) Like you're just being blunt, like yeah. no, we're just sort of texting. Like I, I don't need to like put an emoji so then it sounds better, right? It, it's just like never assume. Like you never know what the other person is doing on the other end. They're just trying to respond to you to so then you get your answer. And but yeah, never assumption is so bad. It's yeah, it's not good for relationships. I'm still trying to get better at emojis. I mean, I'm like. <laughs> I think I have like only like four that I utilize in my text messages and they are like the simple. And then when I get these other ones, I'm like, what is this supposed to mean? And then I'm asking the question, what does this mean right now? Yeah. Or the acronyms. Like I have to Google. Yes. Yes. There's so many. I have a 21 year old this year and uh, the stuff she sometimes sends, I go back and Google it to embarrass myself. That's my mom too. She's like, can you not talk in acronyms? I go, I'm yes. sorry. I'm just, I talk like that. So I just say, it's just so natural to us, especially maybe the 21 year old that your daughter, it's like, we speak those ways and it's just natural. And then we have to remember that different generations didn't grow up like how we did. So we have to explain a little bit more. Have you interviewed your parents separately? No, but I don't think my, my mom's camera shy. So okay. that would be, she would be like, can we just do an audio version? And I go, well, yeah, if we started like this two years ago, but it actually would be interesting um, to learn her story a little bit more. Cause it's, it's fun to like, each time I'm with my grandparents and her, we, I always find out something new. And then my grandparents find out something new that they didn't know about her. So it's always trying to unveil certain things. And I think that's how my mom and I have become super close where we're just learning and we're open with each other about things. That's great. That's very good. Yeah, that, that mother-son relationship is very special. You mentioned earlier that you're an author and your book is titled Choosing Magic. Talk about the inspiration of wanting to write and what's the big message you're hoping listeners learn about reading it? Hmm. Well, it's much like what you're doing right now that you're putting together, you know, people to share their stories and because we learn from each other, we yes. learn from each other's stories. Um, I, I already grabbed a few nuggets from what you're sharing, but I being having been raised fatherless, motherless technically, because she was never really around her family was never really around. So I really fended for myself for 12 years. Um, I stayed curious and through some mentors that I did, uh, going back to your question, kind of have along the way, all the mentors, what I call 
heroes, angels and heroes in my life that never, never knew they were angels and heroes. They've, oh, they just influenced me without them knowing because we show each other's actions. And sometimes we, people, I have learned from people without them knowing they were teaching me because, mm-hmm. you know, we're watching each other. So I wrote the book um, because I changed my story by watching other people by staying curious, but mainly by reading memoirs and biographies. And I, at some point in my early twenties, which I, I said in the book, I kind of hit bottom. I just kind of had a, you know, raised myself and then went through a lot of toxic relationships. In my early twenties, I got tired and I really got on my knees and I asked God for help. And I, and I just, a, a bunch of different things happened after that, but that was the, the era of self-development um, before your time a little bit. And, um, I, I started diving into self, you know, realization, just, um, reflecting, um, all kinds of different books of, you know, this era, this, this now it actually happened way before. Um, it, this is just a very different now this attaches energy and vibration and all that stuff. So, yeah, I learned, I wanted to write the book because I saw the value in, in memoirs and biographies and learning from each other. But I also, because I did change my story and um, I was married for 21 years and raised a great kid, even though I wasn't really raised by two parents, she's pretty amazing. I thought, what, are, what were those tools that I used to um to change the story like what did I do or what was it let me write these down hopefully it helps other people but also I know that this is not the last time I will go through adversity Mm -hmm. I'm going through it now again so let me have write those things down to hopefully help other people but also to reference back and then add more tools you know 20 years later because we evolve and so we need different things so that was one of the main um, reasons. When you're reflecting on those memories or those moments, did it hit you emotionally or trigger any kind of feelings or did you kind of utilize it as a phoenix where you're rising up, learning and hoping to use it as inspiration for other people? Back then it was more for myself. And, um, and hopefully if we could help one person, that would be great. Um, so that was in my early twenties. Now I'm going through a different phase that is a big life changing. Um, and now because I'm much more evolved, I'm older, I'm using those tools and then I'm going through several things where for healing and just sort of revamping the spirit that's been lost through the adversity I've gone through recently um that will help me now I'm much more aware of what I'm doing I'm more purposeful makes sense as opposed to just going through it initially and exploring now I'm going to use that exploration what I learned and now I'm going to be very you know intentional Sometimes it's hard for us to look back at memories and say, what could I have done differently? Why didn't I do that? And you brought up toxic relationships. And a lot of people say, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. 
Do you feel that going through those relationships, it helped learn more about yourself and how powerful you are as an individual where you can learn and grow and be who you are today, being Karina Pacific here today as a woman, an entrepreneur, a great mother? Um, say that again, I guess, what was the question exactly? Would you, going through those toxic relationships, did it help you teach you or learn more about yourself just because maybe at the time you couldn't be that person, but over now it has taught more about you? Oh, yes. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Whatever happened in my background in Mexico and even the toxic relationships here, like it's, it's made me who I am now. Maybe I would... And I've learned from it all. Like they were all, it all happened. It all happens for a reason in our lives. Yep. Um, I would say I, I, maybe I was too patient um, and, and gave the benefit of that way too long. Um, and what I learned was that sometimes people just, sometimes we just don't change sometimes. So, and that applies to the people we have in their lives. Sometimes, sometimes they just don't change and they are who they are. So you have to make a decision with, I'm going to take this person for who they are, they are who they are, and I'm going to be okay with it, or I'm going to move on. And what's that saying? Uh, some people come for a season. Some people come yeah. for a reason. So I've made the seasons very long sometimes because I'm kind of patient and I give people the benefit of the doubt. And I just, I don't want people to feel like I'm, I'm my friends or the people in my life abandoned. Like I'm, just too quick to leave. But I think I it took too long in some of those situations where you can leave gracefully as they do their journey. That's what I've learned, I think, mostly. I probably won't be as, I probably won't stuck, stick around too long when you see the signs, you know? I love that line that you mentioned. Some people come for a season, come for some come for a reason because my mom uses uh, uses that line to me all the time because I have seen that with my friendships. Sometimes I've given these people the benefit of the doubt and kind of be there for them. And then I don't get that reciprocated. And then when you cut ties with them, they came for that season. But you always have some of those people that are there for a reason. They are meant to be in your life. You are meant to be in their life. And I love that line. I When you said, I'm like, that fits perfectly because I utilize that today. And I look at my friendships as I want people that want me to be in their lives. And I want, yes, life. absolutely. Like the people that you think, you know, um, why are they not, you know, reaching out or, I mean, people yes. will make, make time for you if they're, if you're important to them. Yes. Right. Even at my age, I'm feeling like, Oh no, like, I guess I'm not, not that I'm not important to them. It's just, I'm not a priority and you want to have people in your life that uh, make you, that they feel that you're important enough to reach out and important to know to make you part of your lives and ask you, how are you doing? What's going on? Let's go have fun or let's get in a deep conversation. Like it doesn't, you know. Especially the ones where they know something big has happened in your life and they kind of ask you, how is that moment going for you? Because yeah. there's times where I'm like, why are my friends asking how I'm doing? And because of something that I've gone through, like, do they forget? Do they just not care? And then when I tell them something that has evolved from that story and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad to talk about, or I didn't think 
they assume that I don't want to talk about it. And it's like, you know me, I'm, I will talk about it. If I'm uncomfortable talking about it, I will say it. I'm uncomfortable talking about it, but it goes back to the assuming part. I was going to say, it goes back to the assuming part. I was having a, a conversation with a dear friend and we're talking about a mutual friend. Oh yes. I've been thinking about, you know, this mutual friend is like, well, call, call them. Yeah. Cause you never know how, how it's going to lift their spirits. Like just don't text, like just call it. Anybody out there is listening to that. If you, if you, this person comes to your mind, like, I wonder how they're doing or, oh, what's going on? Just grab the phone yep. and you're in my mind. You're in my, like, I hope you're doing well. We don't need to have a long conversation. You just, it, people, it lifts people's spirits to know that they're being thought of and um, that there's a concern for them. And yeah, even if they're doing fine. Oh, that's so nice. I mean, it's just, right? It's just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't, I, mean, I, I was looking at this front, like, don't, don't just think about it. Like actually <laughs> just do you, it. <laughs> just do it as energetically in you, let it out of your system and give the good energy to the other person and call. Just thinking of you. Hope you're well. Looking at the future, do you have any fun goals or something fun that you're hoping to accomplish in the next few years? Uh, fun. Uh, what a ton. I mean, it, there's fun every day. Right now, I'm trying to master the art of a handstand. Okay. I'm terrified of a handstand and like actually standing up and, I mean, you know, and actually on my own because I feel like I'm going to just fall over. But I feel there's something, you know, a message there that once I conquer it and because I'm going through a very big change in my life, that I'll be upside down and I will stand on my own. But even if I fall over, I'll still be okay. You know, I'll still be a little hurt, maybe a little, you know, but I'll get it. So yeah, I think just have fun. Um, I think just have fun in general. Um, I'd like to do more road trips. I'd like to do a nice road trip up California, uh, road trip um, the East Coast. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of little things to do, travel, go to Europe. Oh, yes. Yes. Eat some pasta. (laughs) That's the only thing you want to do when you go to Italy. Exactly. (laughs) Well, there's all kinds of different, maybe skydiving. I'm still thinking over that one. Yeah. How about you? I want to travel. I mean, I'm kind of, it's like bucket list. I always keep adding things to it, but I'm kind of getting there where it's just, start local, try to go to all these different things and start branching out, especially with gas prices nowadays. So it's not like I just want to travel at far distance, but just branching out. I want to try to hit like every uh, major league baseball stadium. Yes. I love baseball and there's so many cool parks, especially in California. There's a lot. Well, Dodger stadium is obviously one of the oldest ones. One of my buckets list is, um, is the one in Boston and then Chicago. Oh, yes. yes. Those Which are one in Chicago. Wrigley? Yes. Because okay. I find it's like so old school and it's like within a neighborhood. Yes. It's so unique. Wrigley um, was so much fun. You have to go there. I haven't been. No, it's uh yeah, it's it, it it'll be fun. I have a little um I'm looking at it right now, my little a vision board. Do you make 
vision boards for yourself? It's more like a list more than anything. Okay, nice. So yeah, that's uh, you put the bucket list in there, and I'm, I've done a few so far. Yeah. For your career, do you see yourself that you're focusing on real estate, or do you ever feel like you're going to venture out into another industry, another field, something to challenge yourself? Well, thanks for asking. Well, I do, um, as an extension of real estate, I'm a funds rate consultant because I believe in the energy um, in our environment and harnessing that energy so it best benefits us, um, health, relationships, wealth, and what have you. So that's what I do sort of on the side as an extension. Um, What else? The book. Choosing Magic, I believe there's, my gut says there's a story there to be told either in a, in a show, miniseries or movie. And actually I just had a call from a friend in the industry who said he's trying to pitch it to, to just, you know, out there in my, in the book, my best friend who is named there, Bilad, she's actually a well-known actress and she's going to do the voiceover for the book. But also, I feel like if the show, there's a show, a movie, or what have you, she will play her role because she, it, her role is that I write about in the book is really fun. She's a very interesting character. She's been a godsend, and she, when she came in my life, it, it really changed my life. But um, so I feel like there's something there to hopefully, you know, there's all these true stories, and we all learn from them. Um, so yeah, I just watched. American underdog. Have you seen it on Hulu? It's a story of a football player. Please watch it. It's such a beautiful movie about a uh, a boy who had a dream from when he was little of being a football player. And there were all kinds of things, odds against him. I think also fatherless, raised by a mother. And he became one of the best football players, won accolades and just a beautiful human being. American underdog Hulu. I will definitely be watching that because yeah. I love those types of stories because they're so inspiring because a yeah. lot of people will say that they're an underdog and they have been through it and they know how hard it is to get to where they want to be. So hearing other stories like that, they're rising to the challenge. They, yeah. And it really was an underdog, like it, it, especially his age, like you have to watch it and um, you have to email me and see what you think. <laughs> The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? So much. Um, I would say keep believing in you. You're worthy. You're important. There's there's a reason why you are alive. Just pat yourself in the back for every little teeny accomplishment to the big one and stay curious Um, and just know, just don't let anybody steal your spirit, your believing spirit. Just keep believing. Even if people don't just gracefully say, okay, and they just keep believing in you and that spark and that thing, that grit and keep going. Karina, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. 
Alex, you rock. I love that you do this. You're so young and I wanted to learn a little bit more about you, but we'll have to, we'll have to do this another time. Definitely. You never know. A part two might come out. I know. So great. (laughs) No, thank you for doing this. I I admire you. This is good for you. And I hope, uh, I'm sure you're, you know, through this, you're touching many people's stories by being a vehicle through it. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full length episode in video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.